May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. I want you to think in your mind about a time where you felt worthy of something. Perhaps if you're a student, you got a scholarship that you felt you were worthy of, or a new job, something like that. Well, there was a story I thought in my history, I thought that was going to begin with me feeling like that, like I was worthy of something. But in the end, it did not feel that way. I knew my unworthiness, knew more than I knew my worthiness. What would be happening is I would get on a plane from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where I lived there, and then I would be traveling to Newburgh, Maryland, where my wife and her family are from. Now, Ashley had left a couple weeks prior because they were preparing for the big day of her sister's wedding, and she was the maid of honor, so she had gone a couple weeks before I did, and I was going to be her date for her sister's wedding. But there was something for me a little bigger that was going on than being a date to a wedding, for it would be the first time that I would meet her parents in person. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a youth pastor that's preparing to be ordained. Uh, surely I'll make a good impression upon her parents. And I will possibly feel worthy of, because uh, I knew at that time, at some point, I was going to ask her father if I could have her hand in marriage. And uh, it would not be this trip for what I was met with as I arrived. As I... As I got there, the long flight across the nation and then a rental car two-hour drive to this small town in Maryland, I was greeted by Ashley. And, of course, not in the I've missed you typical type of way I was normally used to. There was something going on, like something was off. And she was a little sheepish and, you know, kind of in a funny kind of way. And I was like, well, good to see you. She was just ready to take me in to meet her parents. And this is what I walked into. As I would walk in and survey the scene, I would see her father in his favorite chair, and he was polishing a 12-gauge shotgun. <laughs> and didn't even get up when I came in the room, and, he, and this was the first words he actually spoke to me in person. Son, what are your intentions for my daughter? <laughs> and ironically, he was shaking when he said this, and I don't want to leave a bad impression. Uh, if he comes to visit, don't say, hey, Shotgun Red, or, or something like that. He actually, they're kind of a prankster family, and she had put him up to this. And afterwards, he apologized horribly and said, I, she did it, and this isn't me, and, and we have a great relationship now. And I tell you, in, in that moment, my worth felt very small. But I tell you, it was restored the second time I would go visit. We had a wonderful conversation, and he would offer me his hand and say, welcome to the family. Talk about a worthy time or, or feeling worthy. So, but that's what I want us to consider today. Moments of worthiness and unworthiness. Because we have, that is what we find in our gospel in John that Deacon, Deacon Beth just read for us. We have a story of worthiness. And what I want us to see from this gospel this morning is the worthiness of Jesus Christ. 
as well as how his worthiness makes us worthy of relationship with him and of the promises of the kingdom of heaven. So as we set up this story, right before it begins, this is when Jesus, by his hand, has just raised Lazarus from the dead. And word is going around reputation, what Jesus had done. People are wanting to come see him. They're wanting to come see Lazarus there and raised from the dead. But word of this reaches the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin is the ruling council over all religious life of Jerusalem. And from this, the plot to both kill Jesus and Lazarus, because of people coming to see him, will be afoot. So we hear, as our gospel opened up this morning in John 12, the scene is a dinner party. And the host of this dinner party we'll talk about in just a moment. But a key fact for us to know is six days from the Passover. This is six days until Jesus will be led to his cross. And where we find as our story in the gospel on this fifth and final Sunday of the Lenten season. So we're at this dinner party. And first, I want to look at some of the key players that are actually that sharing this meal at this house. First and foremost, we have Jesus, the co-creator of the world. There, I mean, if, if we didn't have any other guests there, that one would be enough to have an amazing conversation with. And I'm thinking of this, and perhaps you've been to a, a, a dinner party or a, a fancy one. Every year, one that Ashley and I look forward to is that the, the bishop throws for the clergy and spouses in Advent. We, most years, gather at Timiquana Country Club, and we're dressed to the best we can dress. And Ashley and I look forward to it because we, we get to have a babysitter and have real conversation with, with adults for a couple hours, on, you know, dressed up. And we'll always, as we're driving there, we always seem to have this conversation. Okay, when we get there, we'll split up. I'm going to go and find the bishop and say hi and just let him know I'm there and talk to him. And then there will be a few other people I might really want to have conversation for before we sit down to dinner. Ashley will do the same. She'll want to see some of the spouses and other people. And we'll make that plan and say, okay, we'll meet you at the bar and then right, right before we uh, sit down for dinner. It's a similar thing in thinking about some of the characters that are around this dinner table at this dinner party, which sets up our gospel. We talked about Jesus being there. We also hear that Lazarus, the one raised from the dead by the hand of Jesus, is reclining at the table. Love to have conversation with Lazarus, just to be able to ask him what, what that was like. And then, from, if we borrow from the other gospel accounts of this story, we hear the actual host in the home that this is happening has the title Simon the Leper. And if you know anything about lepers in that day and age, first and foremost, they were considered unclean and would not typically be at a party like this around other people, especially around the, the rabbis and, and the teachers. And yet, here is Simon the leper. And how in that day, if you were to be healed from lepos, leprosy, did it happen? By the hand and by a miracle of Jesus himself. 
He kept that title Simon the leper. But in, as we read it, the real could be Simon the healed leper. So we have Lazarus there, another great conversation, love to have with Simon being there healed of leprosy. And finally, this would be a very different conversation of interest for me. But we hear about Judas, the disciple, that would in, in a short time to come betray Jesus. As we know and will return to that story in Holy Week for the 30 pieces of silver. I'd like to have that conversation as he is in that room as well. What were you thinking? And we hear, kind of blows my mind, John writes that uh, in a moment we're going to talk about the perfume that will be uh, anointed on Jesus' feet by Mary. And, and it is Judas that speaks up and says, why are you wasting that? It's worth a ton of money and we could use that to feed the poor. But John in parentheses includes Judas cared nothing about the poor for he was a thief. And he would take that money that, that normally would be in the coffer to spend on those kind of things and steal it. Now, he had, the only way I can explain, if, they, if Jesus and the disciples actually knew he was a thief before the betrayal happened, the only thing I can chalk that up to is grace. But Judas threw that grace away. But it would be a conversation I would, you know, love to have and maybe even need absolution after I had that. Because it, it, every time we read it during Holy Week, it, it stirs up my emotions about the betrayal. But these are three of the many people that are there with Jesus at this party. But in the midst of this all, there would be an astonishing act by Mary, the actual sister of Lazarus. This dinner party is being thrown to honor Jesus for what he had done in the life of Simon and what he had done in the life of Lazarus. And it would be Mary that swallows her pride and that it, what would seem to the casual eye in that time and culture, she was being a little disgraceful. At first we hear that normally she, as being one of the party, party hosts in there with Jesus, would take down her hair. And this was a faux pas in that day and age. You would only take down your hair if you were a woman with a, a, a husband or with close family members. And we hear that she is swallowing her pride, letting down her hair, not caring, and she takes this very expensive jar of perfume that she has been holding on to for a very special occasion. We hear that Judas says that that, that is worth 300 denarii. And if we tease that out a little bit, it is a whole year's working wage to pay for the cost of this perfume. Just think in your head, the average salary of an American today is $50,000 for one year. And in that day and age, we're talking about an entire year's wage for a pound of perfume. And we hear that it is made of pure nard. This is the reason for the expense of how much it costs to get pure nard. Apparently, the ingredients have to come from China from India or even from the Himalayan mountains, quite a distance from Jerusalem in this little town of Bethany where they are. And she offers this to Jesus. 
She will lean down and grab his feet, much like the scene that we will recall on Monday, Thursday with the washing of feet. But instead, she first pours this valuable perfume all over to anoint the feet of Jesus. And that fragrance fills the room. And then instead of having a cloth or something to wipe and dry his feet with, she uses her own hair. You see, in this act, she both uses everything she has and everything she, she is to show the worthiness of Jesus. For we hear in the end that this bottle of perfume was supposed to be saved for his death. But as he is there, this will be an act that leads him into him riding on the donkey. And then to, that we'll see next week and recall the words, Hosanna, waving the palm branches. The king is here. And yet how that changes to crucify him. Crucify him. This act shows the worthiness of Jesus and prepares him for his death. Why we have the reminder of this this morning on this fifth and final Sunday of Lent. But think about in that act as it shows the worthiness. I'll go back to those, those party guests that I would love to have the conversation with. Because we can learn much and we see much about the worthiness of Jesus and our worthiness because of this gospel. Now, think Lazarus in your head being raised from the dead. There will be a day in time when our eyes will close on this side of heaven and where our eyes, because of the worthiness of Christ, will open to the reality and promises of the kingdom of God realized in full. And that is the worthiness that Lazarus knew because of the worthiness of Christ. And then we had there... Um, Simon, and he was healed. Now we know, and he knew the worthiness in that healing of leprosy. We know two forms of healing, at least some of us, of the healing from sin and death that his cross will pay for for us all. And then some of you, I have been in hospital rooms with you and known healing from physical things that God has been all over. You see, from the worthiness that Simon knew we also know healing because of the worthiness of Christ. And finally, as I mentioned, Judas and the grace that, that, he, that Jesus and the disciples, if they knew he was a thief, had to have from him. And as he, in Judas's case, he threw that grace away. But with us, we're not on that level of Judas as uh, being maybe not fully betraying Jesus, but we all know and God knows what it is for us to turn and walk away in our own sin of self and yet for God to always be calling us home. This is his worthiness that is bestowed upon us. I don't know how you sit here this morning. If in an area of your life you need healing or I don't as if you have gone through loss recently of a loved one but yet we and you need the hope that is found in the message of death to life because of the worthiness of Jesus Christ or if you just have walked so far away that you hear the voice of God finally telling you to repent and come home as that invitation is always open for us I would pray that God meets you 
encourages you and prepares you today and in this last week of Lent as we turn to Holy Week, as we will once again remember what he facing his cross meant and how worthy he was for the sin of the world to be poured upon him and yet he took it to the grave with him to leave it there as he would rise again as we prepare our hearts, minds, bodies, and souls for the promise of resurrection and walking in Easter. May you remember it in the preparation for what is ahead and even today that all honor, praise, and glory be to our worthy Lord who makes us worthy because of who he is and what he has and continues to do in our lives. Amen. The Nicene Creed is in your ability. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. <laughs>